Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of the Penscast Mailbag. I am your host, Garrett Bahanna. Alongside me is fellow contributing writer over at pensburg.com and co-host of the Penscast and the Penscast Mailbag. It is Robbie Noggle. Robbie, um, how about those Maple Leafs, huh? How about those Florida Panthers? It has been quite an eventful Quite an eventful second round of the playoffs. And tonight, Robbie, as we record this, we record this on May the 8th. And uh, tonight, the Penguins will know where they will be picking. They The NHL draft lottery is tonight to see which lucky team gets the right to draft Connor Bedard. It will not be the Penguins. They are uh, they mathematically do not have any chance whatsoever at drafting Bedard. The highest that they can draft is uh, fourth or fifth, I do believe, but... Most likely they will be drafting in the 14th position. So uh, we'll keep you updated on that and uh, over at pensburg.com as well as here at the Skating Penguin Network. If anything of note comes of that, if the Penguins do get bumped up into the top five, we will uh, certainly talk about that on next week's show. But for now, we have a a 12-question mailbag this week. If you're a first-time listener just finding us in the off-season or if you're a long-time listener and you'd like to contribute, to this mailbag episode, you can do so by following the Skating Penguin Network on Twitter at PenguinsFFSN. Every week we will send out a mailbag tweet asking for your very participation in these mailbag episodes as we get well and thick into the off-season coverage. Robbie, as always, you will get question number one and we will rotate from there. Question number one comes from Brian. Do you think when you pull the goalie and ice the puck, you shouldn't be allowed to put the goalie back in? An interesting, interesting scenario, interesting sort of strategy if it was adopted. Robbie, what do you think about this? Pulling the goalie and icing the puck, do you think the goalie should not be allowed to go back in? So I kind of let this bounce around in my head a little bit today. Uh, And I kind of definitely see where Brian's coming from, but... I don't see the the overall like yeah let's make this rule change. I definitely see the I, I there would be definitely a little bit more of an excitement factor on if you did this especially for the defending team having to pretty much either win that draw or somehow create a barrier of players to stop the puck from going in. And I even think I'd be okay with it if you couldn't put the goalie back in if the faceoff was in the neutral zone or uh, I mean, obviously, if it's in the offensive zone, you're not going to put your goalie back in. But if it was in the neutral zone, you couldn't put the goalie back in. But I, I think that, I mean, it's a strategy part of the game. Uh, the team is allowed to have that goalie there. They, I mean, that is within the rules. There's nothing preventing them from putting that goalie on the ice. Uh, so I don't really necessarily think this is a rule change that should be explored. Though I do see where uh, the angle that Brian is coming at, where it would definitely add some uh, excitement and some pressure on uh, the defending team to win that faceoff, and would definitely add a, a a new twist of strategy into those situations. Um, because if you're the team that um, is facing the, I mean, you have the opportunity to score in the open net. You're going to try everything in your power to win that faceoff back. But do you rush a shot at the net? It it bounces and creates an odd man rush the other way. How do you play that exactly? But I think overall that the rule is fine as it is. Teams are allowed to have that goalie on the ice um, at any time as long as they the, the extra skater is off. So I don't think you should be penalized just because 
you ice the puck or maybe a shot deflected out of play um, or anything like that. So, yeah, I mean, you should be able to put that goalie back in uh, at any time uh, within the rules. So, yeah, I, I like the, the idea, but it's not something that I would necessarily think that has to be changed or um, should be changed by the NHL at this point. Uh, question number two from Brian. Whose game do you think would translate better in today's NHL? Mario Lemieux or Wayne Gretzky? This is one of those age-old what-if scenarios. How if you took the the two greatest players of the last era and plopped them into today's game, it's a really interesting argument, and you can go either way. If it's if it's an either-or Lemieux or Gretzky, my bias would probably say Lemieux because I think you wouldn't have to deal with so many cheap shots and being grabbed all the time, which... I mean, let's be honest here, even as a Pittsburgh Penguins-based podcast, Wayne Gretzky really didn't have that much to deal with. When you look at power plays, I think Lemieux's size, he would generate a lot of interference calls. And really, and this is this is another argument, and people have said this for years, had, had Lemieux stayed healthy, had a full healthy career, a lot of Gretzky's records would have very likely gone to Lemieux. That's, I mean, I was not around to watch either of these two individuals play, so I don't want to put too much credence into what's coming out of my mouth, obviously, compared to someone who did grow up watching these two. But looking at what both players accomplished and looking at the kind of trajectory Lemieux was on, I would not be surprised in the slightest to see, had Lemieux give, be given a clean bill of health, that he would have surpassed Gretzky and a lot of the records that bear Gretzky's name today. But in reality, like the small elite playmaking forward and the, 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 the big skilled six foot five, six foot six sniper, they both can excel in today's NHL that there is definitely a place for both of them. But obviously as a Penguins fan, as a Mario Lemieux fan, I I'll give the edge to Lemieux Question number three comes from Brian. Do you look at Joe Pavelski and the high level he's still playing at in Dallas at the age of 38 and find confidence in Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, and Chris Letang being able to replicate that, especially Crosby and Letang with how superhuman they are with their very strict workout regimens? In sports today, it's not rare to see guys playing in their latter uh, 30s. Uh, even... 20 years ago, you didn't see guys playing. Maybe they were playing, but they weren't playing at the level that guys like Pavelski and Crosby and, and even uh, in other sports, LeBron James, Tom Brady, uh, in the NFL, you have baseball players that are signing contracts and performing well into their 35-plus seasons uh, at this point. And it's a combination of a bunch of different things. Obviously, these guys that we mentioned are athletic freaks, but even the athletic freaks of yesteryear – weren't necessarily the athletic freaks of guys like Crosby, uh, Latang, Pavelski, Tom Brady, LeBron James. They're a different breed. And you combine that with the advanced training, the advanced dieting, everything that these players, the science of it all, has made it not even, not one just easier to perform uh, at that age, but still perform at a high level. So. When I see a guy like Pavelski, I, it definitely makes you believe that guys like Crosby and Latang and Malkin are, are not only going to be playing at that age, uh, but also playing well. And I think even this year, these guys aren't far off uh, Pavelski's age at this point, and they're still playing at 
a, a very elite level on the ice. So, again, things at this age, it only takes one injury or things can start to – you can start to lose uh, some of the, the sharpness of your game. But I think what we saw this year from Crosby, Malkin, and Letang is evidence enough that these guys are going to keep performing even as they age. Maybe not to the level they were when they were 25, 26, but easily performing at still elite levels. And it's great to see a guy like Pavelski um, being able to still do this and doesn't look like he has any plans on slowing down with a four-goal performance. And you kind of wonder as it advances – what are guys like Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl going to be doing at the age of 35 and 36 uh, if they stay healthy uh, and they keep up with the science of the training? Um, what are they going to be able to do? Because it's only going to get better and better as the years go on. You might not have a guy that necessarily puts up LeBron numbers but can still play at an elite level later and later. There's going to be some guys playing into their 40s within the next two decades, I'd say, uh, and playing at elite levels with all the science and all the technology that is at disposable of these elite athletes uh, in today's world. Uh, Question number four, uh, again from Brian. Uh, Now that the first round is over, uh, the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs, and the second round has started, what team has impressed you the most, and who do you see as the Cup favorites at this point? This is a very easy question for me. The, the team that has impressed me the most has to be the Florida Panthers. Yeah, I mean, they're on a six-game win streak right now. The Bruins were up 3-1 to one in their first-round series. The Panthers storm all the way back to topple the almighty Boston Bruins after their legendary regular season. Now they have the Maple Leafs on life support. And the Panthers came in in the second wild-card spot in the East uh, maybe, maybe they weren't a real wild card team. Maybe they were sort of, I mean, they had success last season and it kind of, it really didn't translate into the regular season in 2022, 23, but Bobrovsky is back. He's fully healthy and they are firing on all cylinders right now. I would not be surprised to see with the way Florida is playing. And it's crazy because for so many years, how, how many jokes has, the Florida Panthers been the punchline of with no fans, low attendance. They're all transplant fans. Uh, Nobody goes to the games. They're terrible. It's a terrible on ice product. And here they are getting ready to sweep the Toronto Maple Leafs to enter the Eastern conference final. It's, it's just, it's just incredible to me as far as who could be in line to win the Stanley cup right now. You could take, Probably, oh, I, at this point, I don't want to bet against the the Panthers, but the Carolina Hurricanes remain a viable viable threat coming out of the East. I wouldn't be surprised if that's the Eastern Conference final matchup. Is this the year, finally the year, where Dreisaitl and McDavid finally get the monkey off their back and finally get the elusive championship that has eluded them for so many years now with, with such a lack of postseason success? So my money, my early money was on the Oilers to, to win it all this year, but... Hey, with the run that Florida's been on, Carolina is no no team to mess with. And Seattle has a 2-1 series lead in their series against the Dallas Stars right now. So it is wide open and ready for the taking. As a result, it's been an incredibly, incredibly entertaining Stanley Cup playoffs, even without the Penguins in there. And these aren't your traditional teams, Seattle, Dallas, Edmonton. 
New Jersey, Carolina, Florida. These are not your 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 gold standard traditional. These aren't your grandfather Stanley Cup playoff teams. That's for sure. And like I said, it, it's created some incredible moments already. Some incredible matchups. Really, really, I have been thoroughly entertained with this year's edition of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Question number five comes from Brian. Robbie, would you like to see Mike Volucci and Todd Reardon replaced as assistant coaches? And if you do want to see them replaced, do you have anybody off the top of your head that would be uh, a good replacement for either of these assistant coaches? There's an easy case to be made that uh, Mike Volucci and Todd Reardon should be replaced uh, as assistant coaches after uh, last season. There's going to be more changes that's coming. You don't know exactly what it is. I think everybody fully expects Mike Sullivan uh, to be back. However hot that seat is, when the puck drops in October, we'll find out. But the power play is not good enough, and Todd Reardon runs that. Volucci, do we really know what Mike Volucci does? It's kind of like a Brian Burke situation, except the coaching instead of the front office. Do we know what Mike Volucci does? I, I don't know. Maybe sometimes that's what you need. You need a little bit of a shakeup. It wouldn't be the first time the Penguins have done it under Mike Sullivan. Something needs to happen with the power play. It's just not working with Tard Reardon. Uh, so whatever path they choose there, I would not be disappointed at the very least to see Todd Reardon moved on from. And then Mike Volucci, you can determine, I guess, on a case-by-case type of basis. But um, who would I want to see as replacements if uh, these guys were to go? I don't know. I don't really have a huge understanding of the uh, free agent assistant coaching market in the NHL. Uh, but I would like some somebody to come in and a young guy that can, or woman, I'm not against having a woman behind the bench uh, as well. If they come in with the right system to get this power play, that's my biggest, the big key is the power play has just been so dreadful. It cost the Penguins so many games, points that were valuable, come in with a completely new system and just make this power play work. There's too much talent on this team, especially on the power play, for it to be as bad as it was uh, for long stretches of the season this year. So I am full on uh, bringing in a replacement that has a completely different style that can mix things up, find a way to get pucks on net and get pucks in net. Because it starts with not being as passive, getting shots on goal, and then getting rebounds and creating chaos. That's what all the good teams you see is still in the playoffs. That's what they all do. They all have weapons. The Penguins have weapons that are just as good as those guys. They have Crosby. They have Malkin. They have Latang at the point. They have guys like Gensel, Raquel, Russ, guys that can score. We know these are 30 goal scorers in the NHL. We know these guys can score. Get somebody in there that can exploit their abilities and figure out what the heck is going wrong because whatever they used this year it was not working. Uh, when they needed to most. Uh, Question number six, again, uh, Brian here. Uh, Do you think these playoffs are going to create new rivalries? Uh, For example, Colorado and Seattle, Vegas and Edmonton, or possibly even Boston and Florida? Well, it's definitely a possibility. And and as far as if I'm speaking from the perspective of someone in the NHL offices, uh, I would absolutely hope that a, a rivalry like Colorado and Seattle would form Seattle only being in their second ever season. And they're having unparalleled success, maybe only rivaled by when the Vegas golden Knights came in to the league and rode their success to a Stanley cup final appearance. So 
Absolutely. The, these new rivalries that could be created, Vegas and Edmonton, uh, Boston and Florida after what Florida did to the Bruins in, in the first round. Absolutely. The, there could be some bad blood that boils over into next regular season. And as far as creating new rivalry goes, if I'm the league, that bad blood spoils over after what the Bruins accomplished and what the what the Avalanche were favored to do, getting upset by the upstart Avalanche. I mean, absolutely. New rivalries. I'm all for it. I'm all for creating new rivalries because that's what you need to you need these you need new rivalries to have something as a fan to latch onto. That's why as a Penguins fan, we hate Philadelphia so much. We hate the city. We hate everything about Philadelphia. I don't care about the Philadelphia Eagles because it's Philadelphia. And the Steelers don't really have a rivalry with the Philadelphia Eagles. It's it's all the AFC North teams. But that's how ingrained the rivalry has become between the Penguins and the Flyers that I really don't care about anything that has to do with the city of Philadelphia. That sense of hatred that you can only find in sport is what keeps me going as, as, as a fan. So uh, absolutely. I, I love the, the possibility of creating all of these new rivalries in high-intensity, high-stakes matchups throughout the Stanley Cup playoffs. So I'm all for it. Keep giving it to me. Keep injecting it into my veins. Question number seven comes from Brian. This is a good one, Robbie. What's your food of choice when you go to a game? I usually like to grab a sandwich from Smokehouse, but next year I think I'm going to try something from Butcher's Dog. So for the longest time, my go-to sandwich or eat was a mac and cheese grilled cheese from the yard, which was on the 100 level. Um, If you've never been to the yard, I believe it's in the one – Main location, I believe, is in Market Square. It is phenomenal. If you love grilled cheese, and I love grilled cheese, absolutely amazing. Go try it. Highly recommend. Do it. It's great. So I do not believe they're in the arena anymore. I believe after COVID, um, uh, they let their license expire, however that works. They're no longer there. Since I've been a kid going to Penguins games, one of the staples was always the nachos and cheese. I am a nachos and double cheese kind of guy. I love the stadium nachos in Pittsburgh. They are awesome. Uh, They've been a staple of Penguins games for literally as long as I can remember. Uh, And even when I went to ECHL games back here in Johnstown, I was a big nacho and cheese guy. And who doesn't love nachos and melted cheese? Like, right? Uh, But no, I'm still a, a nachos and cheese guy. I am honestly, like, I will try... I got the the tater tots from uh, the meatball place. I cannot. Oh, Empor- Emporio Meatballs. Um, I got. They were really good. Um, highly recommend there. Um, I'm also like a, a very plain kind of person uh, that I'm very chill with just getting like hot dogs or going to. I mean, Burgatory, I guess, isn't like a normal burger, but I'll go up to Burgatory because I love. I, I love a good. Bur- we had this conversation at uh dinner the other night that i will basically eat like if you give me a a array of options and a burger is one of them i'm probably always going to default to the burger because i just i love uh burgers um one of my favorite foods uh but um no if the yard was still there i'd be getting a mac and cheese mac and cheese grilled cheese every game i want to it is always top notch and uh, i love their restaurant but uh garrett i'll kind of hand this question over to you real quick uh anything 
Um, do you prefer when you go to the Penguins game or I guess any kind of sporting event food-wise? I'm going to out myself as probably a cheapskate at this point. I tried to not spend my money in the arena just because that's fair. Of how, that's fair. I don't blame you. I don't blame you. How, however, I will say all of the options you mentioned, I, I am in agreement with because I love, I absolutely love food. I, I can just, I can eat and eat and eat and I, I will love it. Robbie, you mentioned how much you love burgers. I 10 times out of 10, I will prefer uh, a burger over oh, a, love a burger. If love you, a burger. Between a burger and a steak, if you put a steak or a burger in front of me, I will take the burger. I'm not even kidding. I get so much flack from my family members. I will take a burger over the steak 10 times out of 10. I, I get, yep. Go go ahead, Robbie. I get more fulfillment out of a burger. I love a good steak. But the thing with steak is, for me, it has to be made perfectly. Um, I do not like steak that is too tough. Again, you get the right person, you're going to get a banging steak 9 times out of 10. But there's just something about a burger that just... it feels more american um it just i i love a good now again you can screw up a burger just like you screw up any food and i'm very disappointed when i think i'm getting a good burger and i'm very particular about cooking my own burgers i have them a certain way i like them um i get a certain burger but honestly like in the summer you throw on that grill you throw some burgers on that grill buddy you better watch out because i'm 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 hammering down at least one burger at the picnic Absolutely. I mean, it's, I, I, I love this time of year too, because we're, we're finally into the warmer months and one of my favorite summertime meals, we have it very frequently at my house is burgers and corn on the cob. Uh, when corn on the cob is obviously yeah. in season, I will just devour the burgers and I, I, I'm like a typewriter eating my corn on the cob. I can yeah. eat two or three of them. It is the, like, and I'll, you put a little bit of, uh, a little bit of little bit of maybe potato salad or macaroni salad, something cold to offset the the warmness of the burger and the corn on the cob. It is the the perfect, perfect summertime meal. And like I said, I have it so many times throughout the summer because I love it so much and I could just keep eating it. And again, that just goes back to to my love of, of burgers. I, I just yeah. it, it's yeah. just so so good. And you can have them with any time. I can have them any time of the day. It's it's really the, the the perfect food for me. This this guy's out here speaking my language, especially when you start throwing out the the salads, uh, your potato salads, your macaroni salads, your coleslaws, anything oh, yes, like that. It's just well. yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I've never actually never used to like uh, coleslaw until I was a little bit older. I don't know why. Um, maybe it was the texture or something. But I will also throw out a um, if you really want good food, anything Texas barbecue. Uh, if you can find it, more and more they're popping up, and I love Texas barbecue. I actually throw some coleslaw on top of my pulled pork sandwich or oh, roast beef a, sandwich. That's perfect. Um, get some, get some of their smoked mac and cheese, and oh, again, yes. I could, I could make an entire mailbag of people just asking me food questions. Um, but we're coming into a very good season for, for foods, especially if you're a picnic kind of person. Uh, you got your burgers, your dogs, obviously. Uh, your salads, anything, baked beans, uh, like you said, corn of the cob, but I'm very particular about corn of the cob. It's got to be right. Uh, it can't be too squishy. It can't be too, um, it's got to be that, got to get that good crunch on it when you bite into yep. it. But yep. um, one other thing that I think can compete with burgers for me, and if you're ever at a Penguin game, you don't want to spend your money um, at the arena, want to save some money, get a 
better meal. Uh, hit up Milano's on Fifth Avenue. Get yourself a pie, a pizza, not like a little pie. Um, <laughs> I think after one Pensburg game, uh, oh, we right. all we all went to Milano's. Let traffic kind of filter out a little bit, and I'm pretty sure that's the time that. We paid the jukebox to play Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You. It was yeah. Christmas. It wasn't like the middle of the – it wasn't like out of season. So, uh, But we went there, and it's good pizza. I mean, it's simple as that. It's good pizza. And I like – I can eat about any pizza too. Oh, pizza is probably here. my number – if you could give me a burger or pizza, that that would be a tough call between a burger and pizza, um, especially if I know the pizza is really good. But. I digress. Uh, Garrett and I have very apparently have very similar <laughs> views on burgers and food in general. Uh, so I guess that's why we do the podcast together um, to give you those kind of hot topics or hot takes. And if you disagree with that, that is too bad. Uh, I do not want to hear your opinion. You are incorrect. Yes. You are definitely incorrect um, because a great burger is near impossible to beat. All right, moving on now. Uh, question number eight from Brian. Uh, that was also partially Brian's fault for asking that question. Agreed, uh, yes. Do you feel proud seeing Colby Armstrong uh, do so well in the media world? Uh, being drafted here, coming back here to live since retiring, he's kind of won a Pittsburgh zone now. I think it's great to see. I agree with Brian that it is great to see. And here's who I think benefits the most from Colby Armstrong's presence. It's Bob Airy. Listening to... Roughly 70-ish games. Uh, <laughs> look, I think Bob Airy is a great guy. I have not met him personally. From what I know, he is an all-around swell dude. I don't know if he listens to this. I don't know if anyone from AT&T Sportsnet listens to this. If they do, that's incredible. But with Steve Mears and Bob Airy, it's it's perfectly serviceable. It is it is a solid C+. I, I mean that in the, the best possible <laughs> way. Like... It's it's probably going to come off as a backhanded compliment to both Erie Bob Erie and and Steve Mears. However, when when Colby Armstrong was was in the booth, he was in the booth with them for select games throughout the regular season, and I noticed when when Colby Colby was down between the benches and Erie was upstairs with with Mearsy, the dynamic adding uh, another another player in there as an analyst, someone that Bob Airy can riff off of and vice versa with Armstrong adding another personality in there because you listen to ear you listen to Bob Airy and Steve Mears for so long they're very what's the kindest word I can use here I don't want to say bland but I mean if I'm being critical they, they're kind of bland and Bob Airy can say a lot of the same things over and over and over again oh you got to you got to, if the Penguins are losing 3-1, you got to get physical and you got to start hitting and you got to start mucking and grinding. At least with Colby Armstrong in there, Bob Aries seems to like become a rejuvenated analyst. And like I said, they, they sort of bounce off of one another and create a really unique dynamic that enhances the broadcast. So I don't know if it's possible for AT&T Sportsnet to get Colby in there full time uh, throughout the, the entirety of the regular season. I know he has a lot of other commitments I think either between NHL Network or TNT, one of the two, if not a lot more, obviously, he has become a very busy man in the hockey media world. But it has been, yeah, it absolutely, it's been a, it's been a treat for, for to see Colby succeed after his playing career ended and uh, come back here and, like Brian said, become embraced as one of Pittsburgh's own. Question number nine comes from Brian 
Robbie, do you think the Penguins should be pursuing speed, grit, or a mixture or or both? Uh, speed kills, but the team was pushed over a lot this past season. Who are some players to target if you think they should kind of pursue that that perfect mixture of speed and grit? I think in today's NHL, you can prioritize uh, both in a player. It doesn't have to be any more one or the other. And I think a good example of that was a guy we spoke about uh, a little bit earlier in um, Joe Pavelski. Pavelski, he has a sniper, a great shot, but he works hard. He is a, a battler. He will get he will get his nose in there and get it dirty. Um, and he, he's not as – he was a great skater back in his day. He's not – uh, the fastest skater anymore, being that he's 38. But you can you can maximize uh, both of those uh, both of those attributes in a player. Another great example. Now we're getting into a more of an upper echelon uh, type of player that the Penguins. I probably I mean you're not going to be able to get, but a Matthew Kachuk who is basically the complete mold of a speed gritty forward, uh, and he's done great things in Florida and he's only going to continue uh, to grow and develop his game. But a guy like, and we'll, I'll talk about him uh, here in a little bit, in a little bit more detail, but a guy like Max Domi, who has been tied with or tie or um, mentioned with the Penguins uh, multiple times over the past well, what five, six years as being a potential uh, trade pickup or free agent signing or uh, what have you. And it's just never kind of come together, but, I think there's plenty of guys in the league now that have adapted the game um, that the other yeah, speedy, but they also have a little bit of sandpaper to them that um, kind of add a different layer and they could be very valuable uh, to what the penguins uh, want to do here. You kind of, I mean, Nick Benino when he wasn't as old was kind of like that. He had the ability to skate, wasn't afraid to get his, uh, get his nose dirty uh, as well, Hagelin um, uh, was a, he wasn't necessarily a, the scrappiest player, but again, he made he made it work, and he had absolutely unbelievable speed. Uh, but there, there's going to be guys out there like that. Uh, it's just about finding the right price and the right fit. And I mean, a guy like Max Domi, who uh, certainly fits that billing, um, could definitely be will probably be on the market um, here in a couple weeks when. The free agency opens. He's currently in the in the playoffs with uh, the Dallas Stars, um, but there's plenty of talent out there that mix uh, in today's NHL that mix both of those. That if the Penguins want to go that route, they shouldn't have um, a lack of options to choose from uh, with whoever the new general manager is uh, making those calls. Uh, question number ten from Brian: uh, Try to do the impossible and name your top five Adam Sandler movies. Um, I have to go with Happy Gilmore, Big Daddy. Grown Ups, Bulletproof, and The Wedding Singer. So right off the bat, the, one of the top movies that I could put on for either background noise or to have a laugh is Happy Gilmore. Uh, I just I, There's something about that movie. I just love watching it. I get a kick out of it every time. But to answer Brian's question, uh, I went back and looked at some of Adam Sandler's uh, early films. I mean... I think I might have said this in a previous uh, podcast episode. You can't really top late 90s, early 2000s Adam Sandler. He was kind of all over the place. And it was a little bit before my time. But 
I've grown to really get a kick out of those late 90s, early 2000s Adam Sandler movies. So my top five would be number five, Big Daddy. Number four, Billy Madison. Number three, it goes to The Wedding Singer. Number two is a bit more recent in the the Longest Yard remake. It's probably like a guilty pleasure movie. I know it's it's not really true to the what the authentic longest yard was but i always get a kick out of watching it and number one obviously has to be happy gilmore i could turn happy gilmore on right now and start watching it and start start giggling like a little schoolgirl. i just it's one of those movies that like i said i can put on and just keep it on and just just not have a problem watching it at all so there's my top five Adam Sandler movies, Big Daddy, Billy Madison, The Wedding Singer, The Longest Yard, and we'll go with number one, Happy Gilmore. Question number 11, we'll switch it up here for the final two questions. Question number 11 comes from Brendan. Who are your top third line center out of house options? So this could be either UFA players or trade candidates. Brendan likes uh, I think Alex, the first name's Alex, I think, Alex Kerfoot, and a familiar name who I personally don't think should have ever left Pittsburgh, uh, Evan Rodriguez. Uh, so, Robbie, any names off the top of your head that could come in from outside the organization who could slot in and be a more serviceable third-line center? So, as I just mentioned in my last question, um, Max Domi was one name that came uh, right to mind right away. Again, guys been tied with the Penguin, tied back to the Penguins um, for many seasons. Uh, I know Mario is not the majority owner anymore, but him and Ty Domi uh, are good friends. Uh, I love the Erod suggestion. Um, him leaving to begin with was uh, a huge, um, a huge mistake. But I think we kind of got used to those in the last uh, regime. So. Uh, but yeah, getting Erod back would be a, a great, a great option. A name that's been tossed around on this podcast before, Jordan Stahl, has been mentioned uh, for the right price. But maybe he wants to give it another run in Carolina. I guess we will find out. Um, Domi just seems to make a lot of sense to me. Um, he's a free agent. Um, does pretty much what Mike Sullivan wants a third line center to do. Um, he fills the grit and speed that we talked about. Um, earlier, uh, Eric, or, uh, yeah, Eric, Evan Rodriguez, familiar with Pittsburgh, familiar with the Penguin system. Um, can you get the right price to bring him to Pittsburgh? Uh, that would be a, a huge plus as well. Uh, the options are going to be there. It's not the the deepest free agent class in uh, in history, but the options for what the Penguins need. Remember, the Penguins don't need to go out and necessarily make a franchise-changing splash, a big trade or anything like that. They need to fill out that depth. Uh, get that third line worked out and suddenly uh, things start to uh, look a little bit better. And I think the the one that is really going to break the bank if they decide to make a big move would be goaltender. But for a third center type um, player, I think the options are going to be there. It's just uh, finding the right one and coming to a deal. Uh Number last but not least, question number twelve from Stephen Pawanda. Any chance of trading Mike Sullivan to the Rangers for a draft pick? There's a better chance of a meteor crashing into my house and obliterating me probably than 
Mike Sullivan being traded to the Rangers for a draft pick. Now, I'm sure Steven asked this asked this question with genuine intent, so I won't be too snarky towards him. He obviously took the time to send us a question for the mailbag, but no, I, I think Mike Sullivan, Mike, so there's no way he would be traded within the division. However, Robbie did mention earlier when talking about it, if he comes, he comes into the 2023-24 season, I do wonder how hot Mike Sullivan's seat will be, and it's something we discussed right after the the penguin season concluded we spent an episode a short episode talking about the potential future of mike sullivan and where he would go how the penguins would react if they came out of the gate next season and they struggled a little bit would fanaway sports group cut their losses it doesn't seem like it because all public indications are through this point that fenway sports group values mike sullivan as a coach they're valuing his input throughout the the general manager search process so he seems like a very very safe candidate right now i think things would have to things would have to drastically fall apart very quickly out of the gate next season for the new general manager to even even think about making a change at the head coaching position. That's how firmly entrenched Mike Sullivan is as Pittsburgh's bench boss. So uh, I, I can't see I can't see the Penguins trading away their most successful head coach in franchise history for for a draft pick. It would have to be it would have to be the next three or four first round draft picks for me to even entertain something like that. So I think for, for right now Mike Sullivan. His job as the Pittsburgh Penguins head coach is is certainly safe. 12 questions in, 12 questions out. That will do it for another edition of the Penscast Mailbag. Thank you to everyone this week who submitted questions, Brian, Brendan, and Stephen. We will be back next week for Robbie Noggle. I have been Garrett Behanna. Thank you all again for listening to another edition of the Penscast Mailbag. And we will talk to all of you again in the next mailbag, this time next week.